Welcome to Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories, a podcast by City Mom Collective, where we talk to moms about their authentic stories. We share stories because we believe that stories heal. Stories empower. Stories connect us to one another and make us feel not so alone. In short, stories matter. Here's your host, Maria Hoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories. Today, I am joined by Courtney Devich, who is a mom, an author, and a maternal mental health advocate. In this episode, we will be discussing intrusive and suicidal thoughts. So knowing this, please make the best decision for yourself. And now enjoy Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories. Well, hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm really excited to talk to you about more along the lines of maternal mental health. And so as we get started, I would just love if you could, you know, share a little about yourself and your story. Yeah. Um. So I am a stay-at-home mom, which is not something you probably five years ago, I never would have imagined myself saying that. <laughs> um, I, I was in HR world. Um, and that was that was my my life. My career was my identity. And so um, I kind of found my way here just through the pandemic. Um, to be <laughs> honest, the pandemic hit and I I couldn't imagine putting my babies in daycare, um, mm-hmm. which was the cause of my my anxiety at the time was the the factor for that. Um, so I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm also a blogger um, turned, I guess, Christian author here, here mm-hmm. coming up here soon. I've got my first book that's coming out um, September 5th, and it's called Mama's Got Anxiety, but it's not going to steal her joy. So exciting. Um, yes, I'm very excited. It's very, very vulnerable because it's talking about my anxiety and all mm-hmm. the the things that go through my head um, on a daily basis <laughs> as a mother. Um, so very nervous to get it in the hands of readers, but also very excited because um, it's obviously a message that God's put on my heart and pushed me to get out there. So a um, little like personal, I, um, I live in Michigan, which is another thing that five years ago, I didn't think I'd probably ever say. Um, <laughs> Where are I'm, you originally from? I'm originally from Montana. Okay. Um, so, uh, my husband and I moved out here after the birth of our first son. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I miss Mount, I miss the mountains. I miss Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, currently, as I'm looking out my window, it's pouring down rain here in Michigan. Um, cause <laughs> it's spring and, um, yeah, I just feel like I live in, in Seattle sometimes with all <laughs> of the rain and just the cold. Um, but I, I've grown to love Michigan and I've, started calling myself a Michigander. Um, my husband even teases me sometimes that I've developed a, a Michigander accent, which I don't know what that means, but, you know, <clears throat> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mental health journey then. Um, so I would say I've had anxiety my entire life. Um, as a child, I was constantly obsessed with the future um, always looking to the future. What am I going to be when I grow up? What am I, where am I going to go to college? Um, just very worried about that from a very young age. Um, 
I had trouble with just like separation anxiety, I would say too, with my mother. Like I I would not be able to do sleepovers at the age of 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. Um, I was constantly, you know, laying awake every night before school would start and not being able to sleep and just like, you know, a bouncy ball, my, my mind just was like bouncing around and, and just constantly filled with worry and not able to sleep. Um, and those are things that, you know, a, a child shouldn't probably be worried mm-hmm. about or thinking about so obsessively. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that I think the conversation around childhood anxiety has heightened, especially with yeah. the pandemic. Um, because, you know, back then, I'm a, I'm a millennial. So mm-hmm. um, back then, you know, we just didn't didn't really talk about it. Parents didn't really like put that together that, oh, that's that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. um, that's not something that a child should have to, to deal with on their own. Um, so I'd say anxiety has always been there. I wasn't formally diagnosed until I was 19 years old. Um, <laughs> actually, I went through um, a, a whole round of of tests through a cardiologist because I was having chest pains at work and we're talking, I was a 19 year old. So this was just a college job that shouldn't have caused me much stress, (laughs) Um, but it did. And cardiologist was like, yeah, your heart's fine. Um, You have anxiety. So uh, it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm like 19 years old and I'm just now getting diagnosed. Um, So, and but then also, I also struggled with um, depression and suicidal ideation mm-hmm. um, from the age of 14 to probably 19. Um, so kind of pairing those two together, uh, depression, anxiety are kind of uh, best friends and mm-hmm. they sometimes come together like that. Um, but and there was just a lot of a lot of things going on in my life at that time. Um, my parents were divorcing and. Uh, just again, childhood, teenage years, um, hard stuff. So, um, but I would say that my anxiety most definitely heightened, uh, when I became a mother, um, my, my motherhood experience, uh, first pregnancy, very, very easy until it was not, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. my son was born at 36 weeks um, I woke up one morning, thought I needed to pee and I, my water broke. Oh, wow. Um, and no idea of, you know, why or anything like that until we got to the hospital and mm-hmm. learned that I developed preeclampsia. My high, my blood pressure was extremely high. Um, so he was born early. Um, he wasn't super, super tiny. So we uh, were able to avoid the NICU with him, but um, definitely still a lot of stress and postpartum anxiety associated with him, just getting him to feed, getting his weight up. He had jaundice the first week of his life. Um, you know, not mm-hmm. the simple things like I didn't even have the car seat installed when he right, was born. Right. <laughs> um, and it was a first time parent. Like you want it done right. You want the firefighter mm-hmm. yes. or police officer to help you with it. So um and then my second, my my daughter, um, she was then born at 37 weeks. And uh, I was not, didn't have preeclampsia yet, um, mm-hmm. but my, my blood pressure was getting higher and they were afraid I was going to develop preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. So I was induced with her at 37 weeks. And she actually spent a whole week in the pediatrics unit. Um didn't need Nikki or anything. She was a good size, but she um, had 
some breathing issues while she was feeding and would just stop breathing and uh, talk about some like PTSD there. I've had to watch my, my husband um, beat her back to get her to breathe a nurse um, doing uh, infant CPR on her basically. And uh, so she, she spent a week in pediatrics also had the jaundice, but her really, her issue was she hadn't developed that suck, swallow, breathe. Mm hmm. Um, and so she would just stop breathing when she was feeding. So that's terrifying. uh, She was terrifying. Yes. And hooked up to an oxygen monitor, um, that first week, just hearing the beats, um, of it going off. And then when you come home, uh, it's even worse because there's no nurse there to call. Um, and just the anxiety of what if the paramedics don't get here in time and mm-hmm. I need to have somebody in the room with me at all times while I feed her in case somebody needs to dial 911. Um, so anxiety definitely heightened with motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you pair that with the pandemic that we've gone through now, um, you know, three years into it here, but at the very beginning of it, um, it was debilitating for me. Mm-hmm. I did not leave my house mm-hmm. for over a year. Oh my gosh. Um, long time without target run. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, if there was a way to find something delivered, I mean, I was having my stamps delivered from the mailman because I needed stamps, but I wouldn't go into a store or a post office or anything. Um mm-hmm. so uh definitely the pandemic heightened it and it was all centered around the fear of my children getting it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I'd have an issue if I got it. Um my kids though were uh, Adeline was just a few months old and, and William, um, was two, two years old when it started. So it was just the, the fear of them getting it. Hence why I quit my job, mm-hmm. um, to stay home with them and keep them out of daycare. Um, my children, uh, didn't see the outside world for a very long time. And, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard to navigate as a parent and, um, so my book kind of really dives into the story of how I took my joy back from my debil- debil- mm-hmm. debilitating anxiety. Um, because I, I honestly, I don't know if God will ever heal me of my anxiety or if mm-hmm. I'll can ever say that I've been 100% healed to this side of heaven. Um, but without a doubt, I would say that I have been able to find my way back to joy because, um, motherhood I'm only going to set a number of years with these kids and mm-hmm. being able to enjoy it and be really present with them and not just sitting there obsessing with all of the worries and the thoughts. Um, that's what I wanted. And so mm-hmm. I really took the journey as I wrote this book, took the journey with the reader because I was not functioning outside mm-hmm. of society yet when I first um when I first hit submit on my, my book proposal to my agent. So um, the whole book is kind of my journey too of, of taking my joy back and being able to say no anxiety. Um, you're not going to steal my joy in motherhood anymore. And um, so the book kind of really focuses in on, I don't know if we're like skipping ahead here. Um, <laughs> the book really focuses in on just all the different feelings that the anxious mama has and mm-hmm practical steps and biblical encouragement in each of those feelings to help her combat um, her anxiety and take her joy back from it. Um, So those feelings range from 
feeling like you're an awful mom because you're so irritable when your your anxiety gets heightened, mm-hmm. um, the fear of panic attacks, and um, how, how you just can't control them, um, not being able to sleep well, um, the fear of something bad happening to our children, mm-hmm. the fear of our children then developing anxiety, um, and just feeling like a failure um, sometimes, and, and just that that fear of, of going out and doing something um, that God's called you to do or social anxiety or whatever it may be. Um, and just kind of addresses all those kinds of different fe- feelings and, and how we can find truth to them in God's word and also the comfort that he gives us every day as we tackle anxiety as moms. Yeah. And so I appreciate you talking about how your anxiety was debilitating because I think there's a bit of a misconception when it comes to anxiety um, and depression, but specifically anxiety that, um, oh, you're just a worry wart, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you just worry a lot or, oh, moms you know. are supposed to worry. And, right. Yeah. And, and I think that there is also too a misconception with moms who are undiagnosed in their anxiety because yes, we are supposed to worry or I don't think we are supposed to worry. We do worry, right? We yeah. just do. Yeah. Um, we, I worry about my children all the time. I don't know. But I think there's a difference in that personally for me, the worry is not debilitating. But I do think that when it becomes debilitating, that is when you have more of an anxiety, like more of an anxiety diagnosis, right? I mean, how mm-hmm. do you feel that that is pretty accurate and that if someone is like I always say to people if you're anxious or your depression because I've had anxiety and depression when I was pregnant and it prevented me from doing things it caused me to have you know I couldn't in certain situations I I was afraid to drive like things that are just um, everyday activities I no longer could do or it took so much effort for Mm -hmm. me to do them. That's what I consider debilitating. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that's a pretty accurate description of like when things get to the point where like you no longer can do an everyday activity? That is when things are like crossing the line of like, oh, I'm not just worrying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all capable of worrying. It's Mm -hmm. actually that fight or flight response that our brains have when we are in a situation, when there's a threat in front of us, we all are capable of that. And that's something that I believe is God given to help us when there is a threat. Um, yeah. When there's not a threat, that's when it could potentially be um, an anxiety disorder. And when you're constantly like trying to figure out how you're going to avoid that threat or fight mm-hmm. that threat. And it's a persistent worry um, to where it's affecting your everyday life. That's, that's when I would say it's an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And what do you think right now, like compared to when you were 19 and you were like officially diagnosed to now, and I know you've said that, um, motherhood just, you know, quadrupled the anxiety, really Mm -hmm. reared its ugly head. But do you feel like between the then and now, do you think that the awareness and the stigma of mental health has decreased or do you feel like it's maybe increased? Like, what are your thoughts on on that as a society? I think that 
We're getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm writing to a Christian audience, and I'd say that that's probably the hardest is mm-hmm. breaking through that stigma because so many people read the Bible and think, oh, we're not supposed to worry because mm-hmm. God's got it covered. And um, that's where I really try and break that down. There's actually a whole chapter dedicated to it in the book about just anxiety is not a sign that your your faith is weak mm-hmm. or that you don't believe um, because that is definitely, I would say, the biggest stigma I've had to a hurdle I've had to break through um, mm-hmm. and writing into the Christian world. I think in the, um, you know, the non-Christian world, I think that we're definitely getting there and getting way better at, at talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I see posts from moms all the time that are like, oh, I just scheduled an appointment with a therapist and yeah. I'm, you know, six weeks <laughs> postpartum just to be proactive about it, mm-hmm. you know, like taking that step to be proactive. And I'm, I'm, currently 34 weeks pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably have my counselor on speed dial <laughs> um, just because I don't know, you know, what's going to happen once this little yeah. one pops out of me or how my birth experience is going to be this time around. So hopefully yeah. it's not a preemie mama again. But yeah, um, so I definitely think we're getting better talking about it. I think that the pandemic has brought way more awareness to mm-hmm. it, not just in the, for moms specifically, but um for everybody, from our, our children to even our, our husbands or, or men, men in our lives. Um, but, you know, I think the pandemic definitely made it worse for a lot mm-hmm. of moms, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of moms that were juggling. I mean, I was very grateful that my children were not of school age when all that happened because I have no idea how I would have homeschooled at yeah. all. I don't have the patience for it. But just the moms that were able to to juggle the homeschooling and taking care of the kids in the house and also working from home. Yes. Um, which a lot of people have never done before. And um I, I used to work from home for a little bit and I I can tell you that it's hard to stay very focused. Mm-hmm. when you're at home and there's all these other distractions and stuff. So I imagine that was that was very hard for a lot of moms. So I, I would say, yeah, that the, the conversation is is getting there and um, still probably a lot of, of work to do with my my fellow believers um, <laughs> in the Christian world. Um, I love you all, but um, it definitely is not a sign of, of weakness. It's not a sign that God's abandoned you. It's not a sign that you don't believe either. Um, it is a, a men- medical condition, a mental health disorder. And um, just the same as, you know, some people have diabetes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, cancer in this world. Um, some of us struggle with our, our brains and that's nothing to be ashamed of. I um, say this all the time. I say, you know, if a, if a doctor told you, oh, hey, you're going to, um, and I don't want this to be, you know, uh, any sort of discussion or controversy, I guess I should say about, you know, medication, because I know that's also a hot, hot button topic. Right. Mm-hmm. But I always say like, hey, if your doctor was like, hey, you know what, you got a heart condition, you're going to have to take a pill, you know, for the rest of your life just to like make sure you're good. Like you'd be like, OK. Mm-hmm. And then like yeah. if a doctor's like, hey, you know, like the synapses in your brain isn't aren't firing like the way they should. And it's causing you to have like this. You take this pill every day, it'll help like those brainwaves like fire the correct way. And for whatever reason, and I don't know why it is, um, people are like, nope, 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 yep. nope. And, yep. you know, I know that everyone has to make their own choice for their own, um, you know, uh, wellness. Right. But um, 
I do think that there um, more conversation, more understanding, more education, you know, like even like personal stories, like the one you're telling in your book and the one we're telling right now um, uh, is the only way that people are going to make a, an informed decision for themselves. Right. And mm-hmm. like understanding. And I, I just, for me personally, I think like, Oh, if, if a doctor tells me that for my heart, like why wouldn't I believe them also too for my brain? Cause that's also a part of my body that, could go haywire, you know, mm-hmm. could just like not fire correctly for whatever reason that is beyond my control. Yeah, um, there's actually I, I read a whole chapter on medication <laughs> in my book um, and I purposely put it towards the end of the book because I'm like, all right, you're going to get to hear more about me and get to know me and love me mm-hmm. before I, I dabble into this topic, because, yes, there is a stigma around it and, and therapy as well. Yes. Um, which there shouldn't be any shame in, in doing that. Um so, yes, I, I'm currently on medication. Um, I was not on medication when I was pregnant with my first because mm-hmm. the medication I was on at the time, um, they just weren't quite sure yeah. about yep. the, the, you know, the effects to the, the baby um, while being pregnant. But uh, I did have to get back on medication um, after being off of it for three years. And that was probably like midway um middle of 2020 that I, I finally made that call. Like, no, I have to get back on my meds. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very hard to do as somebody who's been off of it. Cause when you mm-hmm. get off of it, you're like, Oh, I'm healed. <laughs> and um, sometimes life, you know, throws curveballs at you and it's, it rears its ugly head again. Or, um, you know, I had also had two pregnancies between mm-hmm. getting off the medication, and getting back on and women, our brains go through a slew of hormonal changes in our bodies when we're pregnant. Um, and that can also affect the hormones that are firing around in our brains. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, it was hard to do, but definitely something that I've come to realize, like if I go through seasons of life where I don't need medication, great. Um, if there, you know, life throws me something that's hard and, um, it just rears its ugly head again and I have to go back on, then fine, that works. That's that's okay. Um, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to feel weak about right. or like a failure about because you weren't able to handle it all on your own. Um, it's just it's just kind of sometimes the the way that works, but there shouldn't be any shame on it because I still take my vitamins every day. Right. And I still you know, um, when I've had to deal with like high blood pressure, uh, you know, was postpartum with my first, I took a pill for my heart. And, um, you know, again, like if I had diabetes, there's no question about it. I would be putting insulin in my body every day as well. So um, definitely not something to be ashamed of. And the same goes for therapy. Um, I think as moms, like we just feel guilty about yes. needing the time to go and actually like make that appointment and, you know, find if you're a stay at home mom, it's finding the sitter for the kids. So you can go to an office for an hour or if you're a working mom. It's like, well, I got to work. Right. <laughs> I so can't then, take time every week. And then, then and then like taking that time is just like another hour away from my children. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like another like guilt that you put on yourself. Yeah. And yeah, just feeling like I think a lot of I don't I think the stigma has gotten better about like. It's not our heads being shrunk by a shrink. Right. <laughs> um, it's not anything like that. And sometimes like, you know, depending on the mental health professionals, there's so many different kinds from psychiatrists to, 
so just licensed counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just nice to talk to somebody mm-hmm. outside, especially as like a stay-at-home mom who was just lonely every day and yes. just the the stress of it all and the worry of it all. And I mean, you know, we we you know watch the news and there's you know another school shooting this past week that you know right now that we're we're recording this and just that like heavy burden of oh my gosh what if that was my son's school or my child's school and just needing to talk to somebody about all of that is is nothing to be ashamed of either i mean yes mental health professionals can help us retrain our thoughts especially Mm -hmm. if we've got anxiety or um, if it's depression, it's, you know, looking at our past hurts and coming to, you know, peace with that and everything. And, and, and but also just being able to just talk to somebody about life's hard. Motherhood mm-hmm. is hard. This world is hard. And I just need somebody who can hear me out on that. And that, that's, that's awesome, too. Um, if you're able to do, pair therapy with medication amazing it helps enormously not 100 percent fix um anxiety is highly curable but are highly highly but not curable Mm -hmm. let me get that right (laughs) (laughs) um but it's just you know again if it's not for you that's totally fine i don't try to push pills in my book either um i just want to to be able to Put out there that mom should not feel ashamed if that is the choice that she makes, the treatment plan that she mm-hmm. makes for her anxiety. And I think it's so interesting that you just brought up the fact that moms feel like um, like we don't for whatever reason. And I, I don't know where this stems from. I'm sure it's, you know, some sort of patriarchy or something. But like, why is it that we feel like we have to be perfect mothers all the time? with no struggles ever. We we shouldn't struggle with our anxiety, with our weight, with our, you know, meal prepping, like with raising our children with discipline. Like we shouldn't be struggling because we're, you know, we're moms. And the crazy thing about it is that, yes, you know, our our bodies like know how to give birth, right? Like they it knows what to do. It's mm-hmm. not like we're telling it like, okay, this week you're going to develop the eyes and next week you're going to develop mm-hmm. the fingers, right? Like our bodies do it. But like, we, unless you have been a mom, like you don't know how to be a mom. And even when you are a mom, every day is different because your child is growing and changing and, and, you know, experiencing new things. Like, why is it that we put so much pressure on ourselves or society puts so much pressure on us to be these perfect beings, especially in motherhood? Why? Why do why do we do that? like no wonder we have so much um stress, anxiety, um, and yeah. all the different things wrapped around motherhood. I mean, it like we we wonder, but then like the answer is obvious. It's because it's all put on us. Like we don't yeah. have the yeah. option. Well, as of, you just said, we 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 have put the pressure on ourselves. Um <laughs> Yeah, where does this pressure all, come all from? <laughs> why I think I think it comes from this is this is it. Like these kids are only in our house for 18 years, hopefully, maybe. Um, (laughs) and we don't want to screw it up. We don't want to, to raise the, the bully or the, the mean kid or the kid who gets, you know, um, 
failed high school or college mm-hmm. or whatever and still living at home. You know, we we want to raise good kids in a a scary world. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that they're raised right and they're being kind to others. And um, you know, if you're of the faith, you're wanting to raise raise kids that know Jesus and love Jesus as well. And you would just get so scared that we're going to screw it up mm-hmm. and that we're going to say something wrong or do something wrong. And I mean, my son, he's, um, he's five years old and he's in pre-K and just the questions he's coming to me every day when I pick him up from, from school, I'm like, am I answering any of these right? Am I giving too much information? <laughs> like, is this information appropriate for his age? Or is he going to like, you know, am I going to screw it up by something that I say? Right. I'm only five years old. Um, but there's definitely that anxiety and that fear of, you know, am I raising, raising my child right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think is like the biggest thing that we put that pressure on us. And then, yes, the society pressure of, um, you know, so many women feel the pressure to, I know I did growing up to to be a working mom or to go to college and, um, you know, being able to have it all. We want the, we want the career and we want to be able to raise our kids and we still have to do dishes. Yeah. <laughs> we still have to do laundry and all of that. And so, um, and then, and then also just the pressure from the schools too. I I don't know how yeah. a working mom does all of it because the amount of like volunteer stuff and fundraisers and just different activities going out of school, it, you know, takes your time as a mom. Um, there's just a lot, a lot going on um, as a mother. And I, like I said, he's only in pre-K right now, so I have no idea how it's going to just get worse here in the <laughs> coming years and start kindergarten, start kindergarten next year. So it is a lot. I feel like, you know, I, my sons are, um, 10 and and 7 and so my youngest was in kindergarten during the pandemic like his very first year of school was 2020 like that fall mm. oh <laughs> so he you know was uh, i mean he went to pre preschool um but you know like kindergarten was at home over zoom it was weird um the teacher was like okay you know Kennedy, you need to put your shirt on. Like, you know, I'd like overhear things. And, um, and I was working like I've pretty, I mean, I've worked, I work from home, but I've worked my, like ever since my kids were born. Um, and I, the pressure of, yeah, taking care of them, making sure that I you know, fund their lunch money or like make their lunches or mm-hmm. don't forget the snack. And, oh, today's a special day. So they need to have a special shirt Then make sure it's clean. What are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, my gosh. Tomorrow is a sports day. Do we have that? What time do I need to, you know, all of their stuff is like a full time job. Then you have your regular job mm-hmm. and then you have like your, you know, what's that meme? It's like society wants us to to work like we have no kids and to mother like we have no job, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's just like no, oh, and then, you know, by the way, you need to be um, exercising for an hour a day. You need to meditate. You need to take time for yourself. Go to therapy. Do It's like when, how, yeah. when, how, yeah. when, how. Yeah. It's just, you know, not, not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I kind of want to, you know, switch gears just a little bit. 
And talk to me about like, you know, I'm sure there are people who are listening who are like, I know I have some anxiety, right? Like, I know I struggle with it, um, but I don't know where to start. I, you know, maybe I still feel that stigma. Like, what are my friends going to mm-hmm. say? Um, I will say that I've told people in the past, like, you don't have to tell anybody you're in therapy at all. No one. No mm-hmm. one has to know. Like, yeah. you, you can just yeah. go. Like, You don't have to tell anyone. Yeah. Or you don't have yeah. to tell anybody you're taking medication. Nobody needs to know that. It's up and it's your business. Um, but what would you tell someone who's like, you know, I, I know I'm struggling. Where should I start? Or like, what advice would you just give them? So, yes, I agree that like you don't have to tell anybody, but I also have found that there's just so much in saying it to somebody because Mm. more likely than not, you're going to hear me too. Mm. Um, so I mean, if you have a friend that you know struggles with anxiety, like talking to them um, and getting, you know, kind of their perspective of it too, like, okay, what are the signs and the symptoms and stuff? You can Google mm-hmm. it too, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's not always recommended because if you do have anxiety, you're going to go down the rabbit hole. Oh, like yeah. I, I have like a little touch of hypochondria. This is true. Um, this too. is true. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just so, so much just, it makes you feel like you're not alone when mm-hmm. you start talking to other people and you're hearing that me too. I struggle as well. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're feeling like, you know, maybe something's not you know, especially in your postpartum, Mm -hmm. I think we just hear like, oh, it's just your hormones. Oh, you're just tired. Um, you know, especially with like postpartum depression, um, your hormones just need to level out. You just need Mm -hmm. to get some sleep. Um, but definitely in that situation, do not, you know, you need to call your doctor. (laughs) You, You need to have the conversation with your doctor and, um, you know, doing the research of like, mental health professionals, like I said, there's lots of different kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them can give you a diagnosis and medication though. Mm-hmm. Um, so a psychiatrist would be one option to, that's somebody who's a, um, an MD medical doctor of mental health. And, um, they're somebody who can definitely diagnose you officially and get you on medication. Even if, you know, that's not something you feel comfortable with having the conversation with your primary care doctor. Um, that's, that's who I've gone through this last time to get on my medication. Um, they can help you. Um, and if it's, you know, your postpartum and it's postpartum depression or potentially postpartum anxiety, which Mm -hmm. is a thing as well. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times we, we hear about postpartum depression a lot, but postpartum anxiety is everything that we would experience with a generalized anxiety disorder but it's tied to the baby and mm. is baby okay? Am I going to break baby? Is baby going to die? Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, those are things that you're feeling, definitely saying something to your OB um, as well. I know, like I said, I'm 34 weeks pregnant right now at the time of recording this. So <laughs> that's always like something in the back of my mind is, is my depression going to come back after mm. I give birth? Mm-hmm. Um, or is my anxiety going to get <laughs> heightened even worse? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, you know, I already have that in my mind. And I know that if something is not feeling right, that I have to speak up. Um, especially when we're talking about depression. I mean, I know I've said I've, 
I have no stigma or shame in taking medication, but I truly believe that medication saved my life years Mm -hmm. ago from suicidal thoughts and um, depression is just a whole other beast besides Mm -hmm. anxiety. And it's something you cannot, it's, you can't fight it on your own and you Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to either. And that's the biggest thing that I think we, we just feel like we have to, Mm -hmm. we have to deal with it on our own. We have to just get through it or, you know, it'll get better or whatever. And we, we just, you shouldn't have to. And there's no shame in, calling up your doctor, calling up a mental health professional and mm-hmm. talking through it with them. And I would also say, you know, when I was pregnant, I was depressed and I told my doctor, my OB, and like nothing really came of it. And um, she just said, oh, maybe you should go see somebody. But like I was depressed. So trying mm-hmm. to look like who, who, who do I see? Yeah. Like where, yeah. where do I go? Give and me so, a referral, please. <laughs> yeah, can you like do this for me because I can't do it myself or I can hand it to my husband or a friend or someone. Mm-hmm. But I would also say, and I am sure you agree, like if you don't feel like the person who you're speaking to is supporting you, like if your doctor, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I hate to use the words they don't believe you, but I often feel like um, women aren't believed sometimes um, in the medical field. Like when we say like, this isn't right, like it, we need to be taken seriously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, find a different doctor. <laughs> find, yeah. find someone who will listen to you because, like you said, anxiety and especially depression, it is so important for you to get that help because we do not have to go through this alone and we shouldn't at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, in my book, I actually um, compare it to dating. Mm. Um, so if you're, you know, meet with a therapist or, um, psychiatrist or whatever, and you are not feeling it, or you don't feel like you're going to get the care that you need from them, or you feel like maybe you're just being, you know, passed off as just an anxious, worry wart, worry wart mother mm-hmm. or mom who needs to get more sleep. Um, definitely don't, don't just settle. Um, and you know, it can take a couple times before you find the right fit. Like I can't tell you how many, how many counselors and therapists I saw as a teenager going through depression. Um, it took me a couple tries here um, coming out of COVID to find the right fit for me as well. Um, and once you do, though, it's it's so worth it. So don't be afraid to, to date around a little bit there and, and find the right the right fit. And the same goes for doctors, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just think we got to go with whoever, but they got to they got to be on our side, too. Um, but I would also. Yeah, I, I think. Like lots of people don't know about like you can experience depression while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like we think about like postpartum depression, but even the beginning of this pregnancy that I'm currently going through, I had about two weeks where I was like, I am like super depressed. I am irritable. I have mm-hmm. no motivation to do anything. Um, I had a couple like very intrusive thoughts. I was like, oh, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And if it had not gotten better, I was I mean, I was already on medication too. Let me point that out. I've been on medication throughout this entire pregnancy. And part of me was like, you know, that first trimester, it's like, just, I want to sleep the Mm -hmm. whole time. So Mm -hmm. a part of me was like, okay, maybe it's just that. And the fatigue is making me feel this way. But, and luckily it only lasted like two weeks, but it kind of got me a little scared. I was like, I, I, this keeps going on. Like I might need to like 
call my doctor and up my medication or something, which mm-hmm. I was currently am on the lowest dose because of the pregnancy. Um, but yes, it can definitely happen as you're going through the pregnancy as well. It's just all of the hormones and the just can get totally in imbalanced um, while you're while you're going through pregnancy as well. Yeah. And I, I think people don't realize that and they don't aren't prepared for it. I think, like you said, a lot of the people prepare for or I don't know if you necessarily prepare, but they think about, OK, postpartum depression. We've heard of it. We're like semi aware. Right. But we do that little check off mm-hmm. um, assessment or whatever at the OB clinic at what, six weeks or eight weeks postpartum. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's about the extent of it. I feel like that. They don't say much more about it. They just right. do the test. Right. But during the pregnancy, I I had I didn't even know that was possible, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't my doctor didn't even recognize it. And I it was terrible. Um, So I think being aware of our of what we, you know, our baseline of how we usually are and then compare it to how like we're feeling. And Mm -hmm. if it's like, oh, it's just like one day or, you know, whatever. But if it if if nothing is changing, that's like a sign like right there like yeah you need to go talk to someone and it's okay it's Mm -hmm. truly okay and really it's gonna make things so much better for you yes yeah because um it's there's just so much already in motherhood and if we don't take care of ourselves first and not to say I'm cliche but mental (laughs) health matters um and if mama doesn't take care of her own self her own health first then you know, you're not going to be your best for your kids either. Yeah, it's so true. And also, you know, I think our our children um, need to see that we recognize when we need help. I'm not saying that we have to, like, you know, talk to our children in depth about how we're feeling, but just knowing that, like, oh, I'm going to my therapy appointment. Like, mm-hmm. we are having open discussions. It is, you know, yeah, that's, like, what you do. And I think it Helps. That's how we break the stigma. Is yes. This, how we're raising this next generation to think and feel about mental health. I, I, I have no shame in taking my pills in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've had a therapy appointment, I'm like, mommy's talking to her feelings friend. Um, yeah. And I talk to them about, you know, anxiety and just how sometimes mommy's brain doesn't work the way that other people's do. Um, so, yeah, just, yeah, you have to. And I, because I don't want them to feel like, okay, if, you know, they get to those teenage years and like depression and all those things that can happen with like puberty and all the other things. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm just like, I don't want them to ever feel like they can't come and talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel ashamed about it or, you know, ashamed to go to therapy or anything like that. So yeah, that's how we break the stigma is just how we raise our kids to think and feel about all of it here Mm -hmm. in the now. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so important because, yeah, they're looking to us to show them, Mm -hmm. right? Like they are going to remember and and see us. And and the more we can be open and honest, like the more they're going to be like, oh, it's I don't want to use the words. It's not a big deal, but like it's not a big deal if I need to go to therapy. Like, yep, that's it's just like, oh, I'm going to go for a run. Right. You know, a dentist appointment yep. or I'm going to go to, you know, mm-hmm. taking them to the pediatrician every year. Like it's just something normal. We do. Yep, it's what we, we do need to yep. maintenance and maintain. And it's it benefits everyone and it really benefits, you know, mommy. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I know that you um, 
I know that you said like you talk a lot about this in your book, but is there are there like any other um, strategies that you would um, or advice that you would give to someone who's like, okay, I'm I'm on this journey. I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to go to therapy. I'm you know, I'm open to whatever it takes. Like, is there anything else that you would tell a mom who is like struggling right now? It gets better. <laughs> it does. Um, and I, I say that all the time to like people who are going through depression, but even with anxiety, like, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I guess I was held up in my house and mm-hmm. within the four walls of my home. And, um, really like just even coming out of that too was like, okay, I didn't even want to like take my kids any, like mm-hmm. COVID aside, you get to that point where it was like, Oh, there's too many other scary things out there, like, you know, school shootings and mm-hmm. um, kidnappers and like all these other things that then like m- made my anxiety even more like, oh, you have to keep them in here forever. So, you know, like anxiety's voice in my head. So um, I've come out of that and I, I can tell you that it's been months since I had a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I'm able to deal and cope with the anxious thoughts that's that creep up in my mind still sometimes from time to time, but I don't let them take hold of me. I don't let them mm-hmm. have that control over me anymore. Yes, I still lay awake at night at worry, but what mother doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when, you know, there's things like a school shooting more recently and everything like that that um make it harder. But I yes anxiety, it can get 100% better. Um, not maybe always necessarily curable, like I said, but mm-hmm. way, way better. It doesn't have to be debilitating. It doesn't have to take your joy out of motherhood. It doesn't have to control you. Um, it's just a footnote in your story and something that, yeah, you may have to deal with off and on the rest mm-hmm. of your life, but it's, it's not who you are. And, and with, in terms of depression, yes, it gets so much better. <laughs> um, I guess, especially if you're contemplating those suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. um, because goodness, if I had, if I had gone through with that years ago, I would miss out on so much. It's a beautiful, beautiful life that God's given me, mm-hmm. and it's it gets better. And that's just the the biggest thing that I think I can say to anybody. Um, it it doesn't have to be like this forever. Oh, I just, I absolutely love that. It does. It gets better. Yeah. Um, well, Courtney, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate you. I appreciate your story. And I just wanted to remind everyone that Courtney has a book coming out September 5th. Is that correct? Yes. September 5th. And you can learn more about her and her book in our show notes. So thank you so much, Courtney. You're welcome. Thank you. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles, The Stories, please visit momcollective.com. There you can find more information on our topic, our guests, and our hosts. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, we would absolutely love it if you could take a moment and share it with your friends and give us a review. We love hearing from you.